This is NRI Woman, the show where we chat with women of Indian origin living abroad. I'm Nanora. And I'm Bettina. We're chatting today with Shalina Jokia, the founder of the UAE-based startup Declutter.me. Recently, it became the first international accredited member of the Association of Professional Declutters and Organizers, UK. No one plans to be messy, but over time, with increased access to stuff, clutter creeps into almost everyone's lives. Shalina talks to us about what one can do to declutter things that have sentimental attachments, especially after a bereavement, and how her method is so different from Marie Kondo's method. But first, why did she start her business? I had actually thought about it in London with a very close friend of mine, um, and we used to walk up the high street in Camden for lunch nearly every day and talk about stuff like she was organized as well. And but we thought it was crazy. No one will pay for us to organize them. So we were talking about it in um, 2003, 2004. Um, and then we just put it at the back of our heads. Like it was just a crazy idea. And then in 2013, I'd been a lawyer for so many years since, since I'd left uni, I'd been working in legal. Um, and I was in job and I was traveling around the world, uh, but working long hours, like I'd work till four o'clock in the morning and then be up again at eight o'clock to go to work. And I was miserable, like, and I was really stressed and everything. Um, and then one day I just went, I can't do this anymore. Um, so I spent a whole day Googling about decluttering and organizing. For some reason it was back in my head. And I looked and found there was associations in the UK and America um, no one was doing it here and I just did all the research in a day being the lawyer that I was so uh, did that then talked to friends uh, and on social media and I set up the company once she had decided to set up the company Shalina saved almost all her salary for the next six months before quitting her job she was stepping into the unknown the good news was there was no one else offering a decluttering service in the country the not-so-good news was that this was 2013, when the concept of decluttering wasn't as popular or familiar as it is today. Being organised wasn't a thing. It was, it's only been in the last, I suppose in America and the UK, about 15, 20 years it's become a thing. And here, only recently, and globally, it's only become uh, a thing to do for the last 10 years. That's not very long time. Um, so our generation didn't grow up being organized or knowing how to be organized. Um, and I always point out that, you know, when my uh, parents and a lot of Indian parents, you know, especially expat, you know, you know, ones that moved around the world, they worked so hard to build the house and to build the life and to earn money to buy stuff. Um, so everything has value for them but they just kept everything. They never thought about decluttering anything. Um, and then we've also got the added bonus that the 80s turned up and the 80s was all about buying stuff. Consumerism. Yeah, we didn't have consumerism before. So our parents didn't have to deal with that. You know, our parents didn't have that. You know, suddenly we had VHS, we had TVs, we had tapes, and then we had CDs and books. All of this stuff came in the 80s in our generation and people didn't know that they had to start getting rid of it until now. Shalina's job as a lawyer was stable and provided her with a fantastic income and some great perks to go with it. And yet she was miserable. 
So what did her friends and family think when she decided to become an entrepreneur? The parents were a bit nervous. They still are every so often. Uh, but, you know, they said you can go back to the law. Uh, my brother was a bit shocked. Uh, I think... Is that good Indian background? Get your education better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can always go back to the law. Yeah, um, yeah I, my brother was a bit... He, he still gets very nervous, like, because we're all corporate people and to go from corporate to this is um, a bit nerve-wracking. So he's very protective and he's younger than me, so, yeah, he thinks I'm the crazy older sister. Um, friends were supportive, mostly. Um, but as uh, lots of business women will tell you, like, you always, or business, you know, anybody who's an entrepreneur will find people who are supportive and not supportive. Um, and I found a few friends who were very supportive and caring and are still my, you know, uh, spokespeople. They will tell people about me and introduce me as the declutter person, woman. Um, but I also lost a lot of friends, uh, you know, people who were um, jealous, I suppose, of what I was doing and that I had the balls to quit my job and do this. People say it's brave and it's not, I don't think of it as brave, it was just something I had to do for my own sanity. It's not about being brave. Uh, if it's time to do something to change, you have to change. Like if you have to move, you have to move. You know, it, it was the same logic with me. I had to change my career. I had to change my job because I was miserable. Does she remember her first job as a declutterer and what it felt like to organize someone else's space? Oh, uh, yeah, I do remember. Uh, I, I still keep in touch with them. They are um, lovely sisters. So I had had my website and social media up for a few months and they contacted me um, and said we need help with our kitchen and storerooms we were going to call someone from South Africa to fly over but we found you and I was like yeah okay um, you know made out like I'd been doing this for ages so I went to their house and well it wasn't a house it was a mass giant uh, palace and uh, yeah so that was my first my first clients and they were lovely and it was my favorite bit like I love doing kitchens so it was great that I got to do kitchens and the storerooms as well so I was nervous but I don't know something in me was like I can do this I can take out the stuff and put it back properly and declutter it was a bit nerve-wracking but I don't know I seem to have, I seem to have confidence in myself that I just got on with it and um, that's yeah it's been like that ever since Shalina has gone on to declutter and organize many spaces since that first job. How has the decluttering benefited her clients? Um, the main benefit is the lightness, so people feel less stressed, less overwhelmed. Um, there's People feel relief, so there's a lot of that. So I get the feedback afterwards, you know, I'll get messages saying I feel light, I feel relief, I feel I can see my stuff, I don't feel... Um, things are falling on me you know especially when you do your like bedrooms and kitchens um, so there's that and I always talk about the clutter cloud so it feels like the cloud has been lifted away from you um, which is great and you know it always makes me happy to hear that people don't realize like uh, repatriating or expatriating is actually quite hard for some people it, it's 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 not an easy transition to come to a foreign country, to make new friends, to have to build a house, you know, with your family. The husband might go off and get a job, but you're at home and you don't know where to start. So people have different psychological elements to 
why they've got clutter in their house. Um, so I deal with that as well. Um, so it's quite interesting, it's fascinating to sometimes see the changes and to, to find out what the reasons are for why they've got to there and how you can help them get past that. Decluttering is not like spring cleaning in the normal sense. It's probably more to do with simplifying one's life than just organizing the stuff. So how does one start without professional help? I always say, what, what's causing you the most pain right now? So, you know, even at, uh, we're looking at your living room, it's very organized. So, you know, but do you have an area that's causing you pain right now? So what we would do is you would go through it step by step. So take out section by section, um, say your, your section with your tops, take that all out, go through it and see which ones you want to keep and which ones you don't want to keep and put them into two different piles. And then you do the next section and the next section. And then once the wardrobe's clear, you can then see what you've got left and what's going to go back into the wardrobe. And then, you know, I would put it into a proper organized system so you could be able to find everything logically moving forward. So with a lot of people, they'll put, say, one half of their underwear in one place and then the rest of the underwear somewhere else. It doesn't make sense. You want to wear your bra and your knickers at the same time, right? So it should be together in within arm's reach from each other. Um, you don't need your formal dresses all the time so they can be hidden away further back in the wardrobe. So I'd ask, what is your day-to-day -day life? Do you go to the gym a lot? Then the gym would be, gym gear would be uh, more forward in your drawers or in your wardrobe. Um, with me, I wear jeans a lot, so jeans are within arm's reach for me, easy to get because I wear jeans so much um, in my home and for work. Um, so there's different aspects, you know, so I find out while I'm working with the client about what's their day-to-day -day life, what do they wear most, so that we can organize it in such a way that they can get access to the things they need easily first, um, within five seconds you know, or two seconds. So, yeah, so that's how you work. You, you have to find out what the fear is and then deal with that, that element. And here are some things she believes one can do to continue decluttering and staying organized. Yeah, never take everything out because you you will start feeling overwhelmed, you'll procrastinate, people start playing on their phones or you'll go watch TV or go to the kitchen and make a cup of tea instead of dealing with the pile that's on your bed because you'll look at it and go, I don't know what to do. So do it section by section. Um, and what I always say is, you know, don't do it all in one go. You can't, you know, unless you use an organizer like me who will push you to spend the half a day or the full day just working to get it all done. But if you're doing it on your own, do it for half an hour. Or say if you were doing your coffee tables full of stuff, spend 10 minutes just going through some of the sections in your coffee table to remove the papers and the books and the pens or whatever. You know, um, a junk drawer. Lots of people have a junk drawer. Spend 15 minutes only, have an alarm clock on to switch, you know, do 15 minutes only of clearing that junk drawer. And then if you don't finish it, do it again the next day, spend 15 minutes on that. So don't do too much because you will get tired and procrastinate and overwhelmed um, by what you're doing. So um, what other tips? Um, get rid of the extras. You don't need three peelers. Uh, you don't need the cappuccino frother from Ikea. People buy that. There's lots of gadgets. Don't, don't fall for the gadgets. You know, there's one I saw for a grape cutter. Use a knife. Um, a lot of the stuff, just use a knife. Um, yeah, and, and go through. And in any room, you know, even if you've organized or decluttered, say today, 
you still need to review it every quarter or every half a year. It, it, you buy more things, you, you know, you need to get rid of things every so often. Mm. So yeah, that's my main advice. Decluttering after a bereavement can be a very tough thing to do. When is the right time to do it? How long does one hold on to stuff or how does one let go? Everyone experiences grief differently. Often as expats, the timelines to sort and deal with this may be rushed compared to when one may be ready to deal with it. This can result in additional stress, adding to an already tough time. Here is what she thinks can help one sort stuff during a trying time. I've dealt with people with bereavement and that's very difficult. Um, I would always say get a third party involved who doesn't have an emotional attachment to the items and to the person and can guide on what to do with the items. So using an organiser is a good way to deal with it and to get it done quickly. Um, it is hard. I've, you know, um, I've had clients crying, you know, while going through the, the, the items and it sometimes does take longer than expected, but that's with we know what to do. We, you know, I've dealt with this kind of situation, so I know, you know, when to push to get the stuff cleared up and when to stop, and you know, um, and to take a moment to let the grief um, take over. Um, and a lot of people are worried, you know, when they're decluttering items from loved ones, they don't want it to just be thrown away. They want it to be used, you know, to have a purpose. So there was various things we could do. So a lot of the stuff was donated to worthy causes to be used by someone else. And they were happy then because they'd been arguing about it between themselves. And they just needed someone who could say, no, actually, you can do this and it will go to a good cause. Um, so that's one way of dealing with it, you know, to find a way to use, to send that stuff for someone else to use. In the event that one doesn't approach a professional organizer or is not comfortable letting a stranger in during such a personal time, at that point, a different approach has to be taken. The purpose of keeping things after a loved one has passed away is to cherish their memory. One must find those items that can be integrated into one's life and be valuable reminders of their loved ones while finding the confidence to sell, donate, or get rid of the items that aren't true reminders of them anymore. There is no perfect formula to declutter after the demise of a loved one. However, getting assistance from someone with no emotional attachment to the deceased can help one make emotionally healthy and smart decisions during this process. So maybe ask a friend or someone you trust to help you through it. When one hears of professional organizers or declutterers, probably the first thing that comes to mind is reality TV. Our perception of those who need help is skewed. We watch as hoarders have their homes decluttered and organized, and we look at it and think that's not us. We don't need help, but just maybe we do. I always say to people, I, okay, I'm naturally organized. I've always been like this. I'm not creative. I don't know how to paint. I'm rubbish at painting. I'm terrible at maths. That's why I pay someone to do my accounting for me. So we've all got our own skills, um, you know, We've, I'm not good at plumbing, so I would pay for a plumber to come in and fix my pipes. It's the same thing with organising, so for people to think they should be able to do it themselves because they've read a book or watched a programme or because people think that, 
it doesn't work like that. It's a skill. It's it's um, a skill that you acquire or build up, or that you naturally have. So anyone who feels anxious or despair that they can't organize, be organized, they sh they shouldn't. You know. And the other thing I always I and I've seen it with our culture is the men seem to think the husbands think why can't the woman do it herself there's this big thing and I've seen it in networking events I've had um, you know subcontinent men say to me why can't and my wife can do this herself and I'm like well most probably she can't because she's overwhelmed at home um, and he's like well she's got a maid what is she doing all day and I hear a lot of husbands say that and that doesn't help the situation it doesn't um, you know, if you have too much clutter or if there's too much stuff going on and plus then they expect you to keep the house organised. No wonder people, you know, have breakdowns and get depressed and stuff or feel overwhelmed. Um, so there needs to be a bit more of understanding that this is something that requires help, like outside help. Even though decluttering has been around for a couple of decades, Marie Kondo can probably be credited for bringing it to the mainstream with the Murray method. A system of simplifying and organizing one's home by getting rid of physical items that don't bring joy into one's life. Shalina, however, doesn't agree with this method. She's brilliant for bringing it out there, but she's got a very set structure of how to do the organizing and decluttering, and it doesn't work for a lot of people. Um, I find it's a great mythology if you're already organized like so if I did it or I could be bothered to do all of the stuff she says I would find it easy but if you're not naturally organized it's not that easy um, the other thing is the joy you know um, she talks a lot about joy um, knives don't bring us joy but we well, except for my zwilling knife the cutlery doesn't bring us joy right tissues don't bring us joy but we need tissues you know, a glass doesn't bring us joy, but we need it to put water in it. So there's, you can't do, you can't use that mythology for everything. So it's, mine is more, does it fit? Does it look good? Do you need it? Have you got extras? Like how many potato peelers do you have? Do you need to have three potato peelers? You need usually one. Um, you know, so there's a different kind of mythology in dealing with stuff. Um, and also people don't want to do all areas of the room. She has, you know, you have to do your, I think, clothes first. Yeah. It's, there's there's set things you have to do and then kimono at the end, which is all the miscellaneous stuff, which is the biggest amount of stuff. Um, I'm more, what area do you need to deal with? So what's causing you the most pain? So for you, it might be, I don't know, your wardrobe. That's causing you pain. You wake up in the morning in your bedroom and you see clutter everywhere in your bedroom that's causing you pain you need to deal with that you know not your kitchen which is fine you know so it, it's it's different for everybody um so i look at it from a more organic point of view of where people are feeling the pain and feeling stressed and overwhelmed and i deal with that um so yeah that's that's how i'm different from her and how has shalina's life changed since she took the decision to do what she's passionate about i stopped being so ill I remember when I finished, I stopped working and I got the flu twice when I, you know, when I started declutter me and it was because my, the doctor said my body had sort of collapsed after, you know, it had been running on adrenaline for like a few years. Um, so now I don't have that, you know, I touch wood, I, 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 I'm, you know, I feel better, I feel stronger, I feel happier. 
Um, so my life has changed in that way. Um, I think I've grown in confidence with myself um, because I'm loving and doing something I'm happy and passionate about. I get energy from doing this. So, you know, I should be tired after organizing someone's house all day, but I'm actually very energetic and happy. Um, so yeah, so that's the main parts of what's changed in my life. Professional organizers witness firsthand the impact that clutter can have on a person's mental health as well as the way that mental health issues can affect a person's ability to declutter. It's hard to get and stay organized when one has suffered a personal loss, is dealing with medical illness, has experienced trauma, going through a divorce or is trying to get through life one day at a time because of a chemical imbalance in their brain. And in a funny way, as is the norm with our times, decluttering has become yet another way of virtue signaling and another unhealthy standard to live up to. That doesn't have to be the case though. No matter how hard one tries, clutter has a way of creeping its way into one's homes and lives and so it's an ongoing process. And if it's overwhelming, there's help available, seek it. The most important reason to start and continue to declutter is to make room for more of the things that matter. Passion, experiences, growth and contentment. I'm Bettina. And I'm Nanora. Thank you for joining us today and we hope you will help the voices of our guests be heard by sharing this episode with your family and friends. We can be found at www.nriwoman.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just look for NRI Woman. If you or someone you know has a story to share, please get in touch with us at hello at nriwoman.com or tweet us at nri underscore woman. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NRI Woman Podcast. Our featured fellow podcaster for this week is two girls on a bench. Two frustrated writers, Trisha and Sienna, with no time to write and 26 years of friendship between them. How do they procrastinate? A comedy podcast. They are also the winners of the 2018 Podcast Awards for Comedy. You can hear them on any of your favorite podcast listening platforms. Hi, this is Two Girls on a Bench, the podcast. So we're two writers who tend to procrastinate just a bit. We like to snack. We like to talk. We don't have time to write, but we have time to do this podcast. We certainly do. Join us on the bench. Listen in. At number two, Girls on a Bench. This episode was edited by Tipti Shibish. New episodes come out every Monday, so make sure you subscribe. Until next time, keep learning. Keep inspiring and always be kind. Next week on NRI Woman. And I asked the girl, your mother is in uh, in in textbook, are you not study and then girls crying and narrated a story 
and Chuchang from Nepal, somebody trafficked me, told me, and I was shocked. It was my first encounter with the world of trafficking. This girl should be in school, not waiting to be abused for a few hundred rupees.